0: Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. It speaks to us of your truth. It gives us the words of life. gives us what truly does lead to you and therefore leads to joy and peace. May your living word speak to us in such a way that we hear from you this day, that we grow in you, And that we indeed do jump into the river. That we do indeed decide to follow you more closely. Do your work, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The passage is John chapter 16, starting with verse 16. It's found on page 879 in your pew Bible. invite you to turn there, read it on the screen. conversation between Jesus and His disciples. Jesus speaking at first. A little while and you will no longer see Me. And again, a little while and you will see Me. Then some of His disciples said to one another, What does He mean by saying to us a little while and you will no longer see Me? And again, a a little while and you will see Me. And because I am going to the Father. They said, what does he mean by this? A little while. We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Are you discussing among yourselves what I meant when I said a little while and you will no longer see me? And again, a little while and you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her, her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. On that day, you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but will tell you plainly of the Father. On that day you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and am going to the Father. His disciples said, Yes, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? The hour is coming. Indeed it has come when you will be scattered Each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have said this to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now you may have noticed on the screen one of the challenges of spell checks, you know, one of the curses of spell check, I believe. Because indeed to preserve is a word. And it does remind me of mom even, cuz she made really good preserves and sometimes I'll still get some fig preserves. And maybe we could add a phrase or change it a little bit to say we are preserved. Because that is, in a sense, what Jesus is telling us. As we are led into a scary, broken, dangerous world, He will preserve us. But the point that Jesus is leading us to is our own perseverance. That we persevere. Because He's leaving His disciples with the charge, with the reminder, with the clear statement that He is is going to lead them into a scary, broken, dangerous world. He he tells them, as we just walk through this conversation, He tells them that He is is leaving, and and that He's going to come back. And that does not fit with their perception of what exactly Jesus is supposed to accomplish. Why does He need to leave and come back? They, they, they They don't get What he's talking about, he's going to leave, he's coming back, he's going to the Father. Just what do you mean by a little while, Jesus? See, the the disciples, we we know, have this misperception that what Jesus is coming to do is to lead a a revolution against the Roman government. I mean, he's going to lead them to overthrow the Roman government, to bring reform to to Judaism, to the the temple, and, and he will be king. Literally, He will sit on the throne on earth and they will gladly be on His coattails. They will gladly be in His cabinet as He becomes ruler of the world. And they thought that even to the the end. That's why Peter brought swords to the crucifixion. Because they thought even to the bitter end that somehow or another Jesus was going to... Proclaim the, the truth and take his rightful place. And with the sword, they were going to overthrow. Bring about a forceful overthrow. A military revolution. But that's not the war that Jesus is fighting. They, they thought that Jesus was their ticket to security and comfort and power. And if that's the case, why would he leave? Because he's got to sit on the throne. It just just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I love the disciples here. For a number of reasons. I mean, one, it makes me feel good. They're asking the question of Jesus. What is he talking about? I'm like, I ask the same question a lot of times. And it makes me feel like Jesus sometimes. On Sundays, when some of you say, What were you talking about? Ah, no, I'm in good stead. Just like the disciples, though, I think we can relate to them all too well. Because we're not so much wanting a Jesus to lead us in a revolution of love, in a revolution of, of, of human equality and dignity, but really what we want in Jesus is a divine travel agent. You know, a a, a cosmic concierge who will just map out, you know, our journey for us. Go here, then here, then here, and this will be the the easiest way, right? The least amount of weight in the airports. And when problems arise, we can ring the bell. He will come to our rescue. If sociologists are, are right in their surveys of us we aren't so much Jesus followers as we are Jesus consumers the good news is that Jesus knew the disciples didn't get it then and he know his disciples don't get it now verse 19 Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him so then he said to them are you discussing among yourselves what I meant when I said a little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Then, verse 20. Very truly, I tell you, you know, if, if Jesus is going to add any kind of emphasis to truth, you, you figure he's going to speak the truth, right? And so, when he says very truly, 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 then that might be a hint. Hmm, maybe we should listen a little harder. I tell you, You will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain. If we indeed are Jesus' followers, then we will go where He goes. And Jesus leads us into the midst of a broken, scary, dangerous world. A place characterized by pain. A place that will cause weeping and lamenting. He wants His disciples to know, listen, this journey we're going on, it's not going to be easy. It's going to hurt at times. Now for them, their, their pain, their, their hurt was very acute and very focused in a three-day period in his, that was upcoming between His crucifixion and His resurrection. You know, imagine with me what these disciples were thinking. Move on. We see still how clueless they are. They still hold to their dream instead of Jesus' dream that Jesus is going to bring an armed revolution and lead them into this, this place of security and comfort. And then they see on Good Friday, their Lord, their leader, crucified, executed like a criminal. I mean, These folks had left the comforts of home. They'd left their nets at the seashore. They, they'd left the tax-collecting booths in order to follow Him. And they had given Him everything. And now here He was, their whole life, dead. Can you imagine the fear that they would have as they were huddled in that upper room? The, the total despair? And then we're told, on the third day, when they saw Jesus face to face, that they were filled with joy. For us, our waiting is a little longer. Our period of despair is a little longer. For we wait for His second coming. I mean, we have the, we have the pain of waiting for Him to return so that we can see Him face to face. It's the pain of, of delayed gratification. Almost a cuss word in our day. Vulgar even to say, delayed gratification. We live in a day where we are called to live by faith and not by sight. A a day that, as the old King James puts it, a day of, of long suffering. Perseverance. Where we wait on the Lord in obedience unto Him. Following Him wherever He goes. No matter how much it hurts. Now, it hurts because we follow Jesus. And and Jesus leads us in a way that goes against the tide, in a way that goes against the grain of the world. I mean, the world is filled with taking power by military might. And Jesus is saying, No, this is the way that I will be king through sacrificial love. Those crash into one another. Now... By the world, in what John says and Jesus says, well, by means of the ways of the world, it doesn't mean the created order which God created is good. But what he means is the ways of the world, the, the ways of the world that go against the ways of the kingdom of heaven. The ways of the world that are directly opposed to the ways of God. And as we follow the ways of God, as we truly follow Jesus in this world, then it means such simple things as we will be honest even when it hurts. When I lie, it's usually a very selfish act. It's usually to protect myself. I have a feeling that's probably part of the human predicament. But God, who is truth, calls us to even such a simple thing as to honesty, It means that it will hurt when we sacrificially give of our time and money. It means that it will hurt when we pursue the ways of God when it comes to sexual intimacy. And we will keep intimate sexual relations only with our spouse with whom we have made a lifelong commitment before Jesus. It will hurt in this world to follow that direction of God. It will hurt to set aside our dreams because they aren't God's dreams. It will hurt to set aside our dreams because it's not God's timing. It can hurt and at least be very uncomfortable to tell people who don't know Jesus like you do who aren't following Jesus, that you will not participate in what they do. You will not live according to the ways of the world, even though you'll lose friends. That'll hurt. Even though you might lose your job. Even though you may feel ostracized. It will hurt. It will be difficult as we as a community are serious about following the dreams we think God has given us. That, that we be a community of servants. That, that we, we serve the world like Jesus did. And as we are in training, in a sense, as an army of servants like Jesus, it will not be easy. I mean, you see where it got Jesus. Right? As he was living the way of a servant, you see where it got his disciples. And it led to the cross. I mean, in their day and in the day of many others in our world, the pain, the hurt that, it, that they face as they follow Jesus in the midst of in a, going against the grain, going against the flow of the world, it wasn't just psychological. Like it is for most of us. But physical. Direct persecution. As we've shared this year. Relationship with our brothers and sisters in Iraq. Who have faced the barrel of a gun. On their way to church. And one leader even. Being shot three times. For being a leader of the church. In Mosul. This word of Jesus to us today is really important because if, if we believe that Jesus is our divine travel agent, you know, or our, our cosmic concierge, then we are in for a huge disappointment. For as we follow Jesus, He promises us pain, struggle, direct opposition. But, He says... That pain, verse 20. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. And he gives us the greatest illustration. And I wish I could take credit for having this passage on Mother's Day. But when I put it together three months ago, I wasn't thinking about that at all. But it's just like when a woman in labor gives birth. And the the pain that they are enduring in the moment is caused by the child. The very cause of the pain at the moment of delivery then flips into being the moment of joy. The very cause of joy. I've been to at least three of them and I've seen the pain. (laughs) Been terrified by the pain. And overwhelmed by the joy. And the flip that it takes. And that's what He's saying the cross is. The very cause of my pain, the very cause of your pain becomes the very cause of your joy. Not only at birth, but I even think what an illustration as we consider the, the pain of moms of raising your children and husbands. And all that that entails. You know, and the pain and the worry, the anger, the struggle, the danger that you endure as, as they are raised to a mature adulthood. My poor mom's still waiting for me, but she's seen the light in certain points along the way. that pain will then turn into the joy. Verse 22, So you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. On that day, you will ask nothing of Me. See how we're like the disciples? The disciples on the day of the resurrection, us on the the day of, of Jesus' return? That then the battle will be over. The pain of going against the grain will be complete. And the ways that we have followed Jesus will be fulfilled when we see Him face to face. Well done, my good and faithful servant. When we see Him, no more questions will be asked. Just in the sight of our Savior face to face. Then the struggle and the pain will turn to joy. The second, then truly, truly that he gives in verse twenty three is one that's again throughout this farewell discourse. But it's the promise again of answered prayer, that as we are following Jesus, then we are in relationship with the Father. I mean that Jesus, and I'm not spend too much time. You can, um, if you're really. Uh, Uh, Want to? You can go back in here last week when we talked about this more in depth. But his, his big point here is that as we then go through this journey of entering into the dangerous world, following Jesus, the Father is with us. We are in direct communion with the Father. We are living our lives in relationship to the Father all along the way. Whatever the pain, brokenness, and danger we face of this world. I mean, it's just just like Jesus. Verse 28, I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. As Jesus left the comfortable confines of heaven and entered into a broken, dangerous world. We're going to do the same if we're following Him. And that's the journey into the world of pain and struggle. The good news is that we also follow Him back to the Father, where He now resides and rules at the right hand. Even as Jesus is explaining to his disciples, again, they still don't get it. Now they're, they're trying to act like they know the answer. Now, we say, verse 29, now you're speaking plainly. We're understanding what you are saying because we didn't have to ask you the question directly. You knew what we were thinking even without us giving voice to it. So now we believe that you are from the Father. I mean, they totally missed what Jesus was telling them. And Jesus gets that in verse, uh, he, 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 verse 31. A hint of sarcasm. A hint of, you yeah, know, you really don't. Do you now believe? Jesus asked. And then again, no, notice, in both of these, Jesus just sort of ignores, in a sense, what they say. He doesn't answer their question, but He speaks directly to their need. Even though they don't even know it. Thankfully, He does the same for us. Verse 32. The hour is coming, indeed has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. I've said this to you, so that in me you may have peace. See, the day is coming, tells the disciples, when you're going you're gonna to scatter. You're going to leave me all alone. The, the ways of the world, the ways of the evil one, the ways of the sin within you, the, the power of the world, of sin, of the evil one are so great and you are so weak, you will not stay with me. You, you will succumb to the temptations and to the power of the world. But don't worry, I'll still be with the Father. I will be alone from all of you, but I will be with the Father. If only the disciples had heard in that moment and simply you know, admitted their own weakness and their own failings and just cried out like me on the side of the road, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. The pain and danger here with the disciples and with us, isn't so much the pain of facing the world as we go against it. It's more the pain of facing ourselves when we succumb to it. It's it's more the pain, the hurt, when we succumb to the temptations of the world when we do lie in order to protect ourselves. When we do succumb to the temptations of intimacy with another outside of God's good and perfect plan. The times when we ignore the needs and the poor around us. The times when we run from the danger God is calling us into. The times when we refuse the hard work of reconciliation. Of connecting with one another across race and economics and generation. I mean, the history of the Christian church is littered with failures. And Jesus is telling us that this has been spoken to us. This peace has been given to His disciples and to us because He knows our weakness. And He has come to secure our forgiveness. To secure our salvation in His power, in His grace, in His strength. Not in ours. I've said this to you so that you may have peace. Joy and peace are ours as He leads us into a world. But get the next sentence. In the world you face Persecution. Now that's, that's not a phrase. That's, that's not a verse that often makes it in an inspirational Christian calendar. That's not sort of the verse for the month. Often. It's not one that makes it as the lead page on a church website. It's not often that that makes it on the marquee. For a Sunday service in the world, you will have persecution. Now the point that Jesus is making throughout, as we follow Him, He will lead us into the pain, brokenness, and danger of this world. And that just doesn't work if Jesus is our travel agent. Now, consider with me also the flip side. For for those of you that are yahoos in the crowd, you're, you're wanting the danger. It's not go find the most dangerous place and jump into it either. The point is to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus in this world, He will lead us into the danger and the pain of this world. He is not booking a nice cruise for us with God as our captain and the Spirit as the bartender and Jesus as the activity director. We are Jesus' followers, not Jesus' consumers. And so where He goes, we will go too. In this world, you will face persecution. But take courage. I have conquered the world. Be bold. Be secure. That's what he's saying And take courage. Be bold as you go into the mess of the world. As I lead you into the mess of the world. I promise you joy and peace and boldness because I have conquered the world, Jesus says. That is the power of the resurrection that we celebrate, not just Easter day, not just Easter season, but every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. That there is no disease that we run from if Jesus leads it into it. There is no economic disaster that we we build our savings for. If Jesus leads us into it. There is no poverty or crime that we run from. Because Jesus is victorious. There is no suffering that we avoid if Jesus is leading us into it. There is no weakness or unrighteous behavior in our world. That Jesus calls us to be a light in the middle of it. That we run from. Because He is victorious over the world. We refuse To run and hide. We follow Jesus into the midst of the pain and brokenness of danger of our world because we know Him not as our travel agent, not as our concierge, not as our activity director, but as our Lord and conquering Savior, victorious over anything the world can bring, even death itself. I want to take a moment here and encourage you who are feeling in the midst of the mess. I mean, you're there. You see it. You feel it. It hurts. Hear Jesus' words here. Be bold. Continue to face it. in The power of the resurrection... He is victorious and a day will come when you will see Him face to face and the joy will be complete. And He promises you even now in Him a joy and a peace that is beyond this world. And for the rest of us, continue to hear Jesus' word and answer the call that we are are committed to the mess of our world In our neighborhoods, in our place of business, in in our schools, in our communities, in the city of Cincinnati. We are committed to following Jesus. No matter what the crime, the brokenness, the poverty, the unrighteousness, and the foolishness of the lost. We don't want protection as much as we want Jesus' boldness so that we will stay true to Him in the midst of it. That in the midst of it, we will receive His peace. We will live for His joy. And we'll be bold for Him. I wonder, for you, what is God saying to you? Where is Jesus leading you? Is it into a dangerous situation? Is it into a brokenness of the world that you've been running from? This may even be a new thought for you. I mean, you sort of like the idea. I do too. Of Jesus being my travel agent. Instead of our Lord, our Savior and the Savior of the world. C.T. Studd said it well. Great name, isn't it? Some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop at the gates of hell. Jesus leads us into a broken, dangerous world. Promising us persecution and hurt. And promising us in Him joy and peace and boldness.